0: Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sastar. Turn to the New Testament book of Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company somewhere in Bible school they taught me that if you were learning how the books of the Bible were in order General Electric Power Company Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians and I want you to turn to chapter 3 it's one of the great books of the Bible all the books are great but it's one of the great books let me just clarify what because it speaks of joy this is a joyous season the Christmas season and so it's a great book that talks about joy. If you read it sometime, and if you've got an electronic Bible, highlight with your finger. You know, if you've got a hard, hard copy, take, take a highlighter or a pen and just underline. Every time you see the word joy or rejoice, you'll be shocked at how many times. It's, it's a happy letter. If you're feeling down, read Philippians. Chapter 3, and I, I want to read verses 7 through 14 and really focus on 12 through 14. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church that was in the city of Philippi. And here's what he said. He's speaking very personally here. Yet what he is speaking for himself, remember, because it's in the Bible, as applicable to us. So we need to relate to this. Paul has been talking about all the things that he has accomplished and 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 what what he has done in this life and then he's bringing it back into perspective and he says in verse 7 but what things were gained to me these I have counted loss for Christ yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish as trash that I may gain Christ and be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that righteousness which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead now notice these next three verses not that I have already attained or am already perfected but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me brethren and ladies you're in there too I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't stopped. You remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? And the hare ran fast and got ahead. And then what did the hare do? The rabbit, it stopped and took a nap. But the old turtle just kept plotting. You remember that Aesop's fable? And when the rabbit woke up and thought, well, I better finish the race when he got there the turtle had already beat him. Paul said I'm not going to take a nap I have not apprehended but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward stretching forward to those things which are ahead you ever seen in the Olympics when they're running the race and they're they're all running to the finish line and they they're trying to Body and Christ. that's what Paul's got in my I'm running this race trying to cross that line I stretch forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus man don't y'all love the word of God say amen to the word Thank you. You can be seated. I appreciate you respecting the word of God. That's a wonderful thing to do in this day when we're not respecting much anymore in our society. It's almost the new year. And that means it's time for you to set your new year's resolutions. How many of you have started working on them? You haven't eaten enough turkey yet to do that. There's still the holidays with the Christmas meal and all of the sweets, and then you'll be doing some resolving. I've never been a big resolution guy, but uh, some people are. And you know, resolutions are goals. And, and I read this week, the best resolution that I have heard so far for this year goes like this. My goal for 2023 is to accomplish the goals of 2022. 2022 which I should have done in 2021 because I promised them in 2020 and I planned for them in 2019. That's the best one I've heard yet. And how many of you can identify with those? Yeah. New Year's resolutions are about setting goals and it's good to set goals in life. I'm, I'm sort of a goal-oriented person. Each day I set goals, things to accomplish. I like to go to bed at night and think about what I've accomplished. And I think it's also good to set spiritual goals. And Paul, we, we get this glimpse into his spiritual life. Paul set some spiritual goals for himself that he shared with the Philippian readers. Let me reiterate, they're also goals that we should set for ourselves because they're in the Bible. And and I tried to emphasize them as I read. There were three. Paul said, my goal is to know Jesus. My goal is to gain Jesus. And my third goal is to be found in Jesus. That when you find me, you don't ever find me outside of Christ. Come on, somebody. who That's Sunday morning only religion. Sunday you'll find them in Christ, but Friday night (laughs) you don't know where you're going to find them. Paul said, that's not me. I will always be found in Christ. So I could preach a message on those three points. I could actually preach three sermons on those three points. But today, it is goal number two that grips me. And that's the one that I want to explore with you this morning. I want to gain Christ. Now, if you're like me, sometimes I read things in the Bible and I still don't get it. Even though I'm a theologian. I want to gain Christ. I I just try try to do that on my own. I can't comprehend that. What do you mean to gain, to to get? Gee, I I could try to start guessing. So I went back to the original language because the original language, the Greek language, can open our eyes. And that particular word that Paul uses has two nuances or meanings. Number one, it means to exchange. So Paul said to gain Christ, I have to give up something. That's why he talked about loss, loss, loss at the beginning of the passage. He said, "I gave up some things, but how many of you know Jesus is worth giving up everything for?" And so he gave up everything. And so it's it it really is to use the vernacular words that we can. It means to trade up. You ever you ever traded up? You you traded somebody for something else, and then you you got you, the better of the deal. And that's what Paul's talking about. I, I, when I gained Christ, I traded up. You trade what is mediocre for what is excellent. That's what you did when you were saved. That you traded up. You traded sin for righteousness. You traded disobedience for obedience. A life of obedience. You traded enmity with God for adoption by God. Pretty good trade, isn't it? You you traded hate for love, conflict for peace. Misery for joy, doubt for faith, hopelessness for hope, death for life. I mean, you know, you came out on the on a better end of the deal when you got Jesus. Come on, when you got Jesus, see, when you gained Jesus, you traded up. Come on, give him praise this morning. You can't praise him enough. Be thankful for what you gained when you gained Christ. But it also means, very simply, to win. And there is, in this whole passage, and I tried to emphasize it some to you, the idea of a race. Maybe of a battle. And I love that I don't tell Pastor Billy necessarily what I'm preaching, but then he turns around by the power and the direction of the Holy Ghost and sings songs that fit my sermon. And that second song we sang was my message today. I loved it it means to win as opposed to losing and you know with with all due respect if there's anyone here that's that's not saved listen we were all there so so i say this not to be detrimental not to be insulting you have to understand we have been those of us who are saved we have been where you are so before you are saved you're a loser And, I, and I'm not talking about in life, you say, I'm not a loser, I'm a winner. Okay, good. If you're, you're successful and all that, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about your soul. You're a loser. Okay, sin is, has defeated you. Death, if you don't get right with God, is going to win and defeat you because it's the last enemy is death. Okay, this world is defeating you. The devil is defeating you. Satan is winning the battle for your soul, but here's the beautiful thing, that's why people like us and people like me get up and preach, but when you come to Jesus, he won the battle for you when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, and when you get saved, all that he won 2,000 years ago is appropriated to you, so you get the victory, so sin, which has been beating you, suddenly loses completely. And death, which had a hold on you, has been defeated. And we sang it. Kyle was up here singing that last part where one of these days we're going to see him face to face. And the devil loses his hold on you. And, and Jesus beat him at the cross, so that means you beat him. That's why the Bible says that we who are born again, have we are more than conquerors. Somebody said that if a guy gets in a ring and does a, goes through 18 rounds of a boxing match and wins the match and gets a million dollar prize, he's the conqueror. But if he goes home and hands the check to his wife, she's more than a conqueror. And y'all, you didn't have to fight sin. You didn't have to fight death. Jesus went in the ring for you. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. But he gave you what he won. You got the prize fight win, see? And we are more than conquer. Be thankful for what he did for you. You know, I love all the songs we sing, but when I was a kid growing up, we used to sing, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He I love this. See, this is so poetic. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. And so we have victory through Jesus Christ. Y'all, if you're saved today, you're a winner. They might not let you sat at the cool kids' table when you were in high school, but don't worry about that now. You're at the cool kids' table now, you're a winner. Come on, somebody, you're a winner. You're sitting at the table with Jesus. Now, here's the truth that i like to bring to you. All that's exciting. We're celebrating. We're rejoicing. We ought to, especially in this Pentecostal church. (laughs) But here's the truth. You have to maintain what you have gained. Can I say that again? You have to maintain what you have gained. See, don't misunderstand me. Jesus has got a hold of you. As I was a kid, we used to sing, Jesus got a hold of my life, and he won't let me go. Jesus got into my heart, he got into my soul. I used to be oh so sad, but now I'm just free and glad, because Jesus got a hold of my life, and he won't let me go. Sounds like a 70s song, doesn't it? Because it is. He won't let go of you. He's faithful. He'll, he'll never deny you. The Bible says this, but you have to hang on to him. You, are you with me? Because people, people have come up with this doctrine that I'm in his hand and and he'll never. Nobody can snatch me out. That's right. But but there's also another image in the Bible that says you got to get a hold of him, and if you want to, you can let go. Some people don't like that, but it's in the. All right, let me just show you Hebrews ten twenty three. This is a command. Let us hold fast. Are you seeing that picture? Our confession of faith or of hope without wavering because he who promised is faithful. That's what I'm preaching. He's faithful. You've got to be faithful. Because see, there's still sin to reject every day. There are temptations to deny every day. There's still a devil to fight every day. There's a world, a sinful world system to overcome every day. There are deceptive people who want to pull you away from Jesus and back into your life of sin that you have to ignore. Sometimes you just got to cut them off every day. And I said this earlier, your walk with Jesus is like running a race. It's like fighting a war. And Brothers and sisters, you haven't crossed the finish line yet. Total and final victory over your spiritual enemies has not yet been accomplished. And the danger is to get saved and think that you have arrived. Paul didn't even think that. We just read it in verse 12. He said, I have not arrived yet. I don't count myself to uh, to have apprehended. I haven't arrived. He said, I I am not perfected, glorified yet. I'm still contending for the faith. And so Paul's impetus, and it should be ours, is to press on to go forward. And that's why I titled this message, You Can't Go Back. You you can go back, but if you're going to live for Jesus, you can't go back but you may be tempted to go back. Paul's saying, go forward. I see this in the New Testament. I spent some time, I'm gonna share this with you. We're just gonna just explore this for a second, but I just wanna, I wanna be just holistic here. And I thought this was beautiful. This may touch somebody, you may go to sleep, but just, you see this in the New Testament. You can see it more than these, but there were three particular. Paul wrote a letter to, General Electric Power Company, Galatians. Galatia was a region which in modern-day Turkey. And, and there were churches there in Galatia. So Paul wrote a letter that was circuitous, so they would pass it around and read it in one church and take it to the next church. And he wrote this letter, and, he, and in the letter he said, you are being tempted to go back to Judaism, to the, to the religion of the Jews. You can't go back. And then the writer of Hebrews is writing to people who were Jews but got saved, but they're being tempted to go back into sin. And some of them are being tempted to go back into Judaism as well. And the writer of Hebrews said you can't do either one of those. You can't go back. And I thought this was interesting, that in Luke 12, Jesus is talking about... the. Because in prophecy, this is a prophetic passage, in prophecy there can be dual meanings. Y'all understand that, right? There can be dual prophecy. So he's talking about 70 A.D. when Titus and the Roman army invaded Israel and totally razed the temple. I mean, pulled it down to the ground and burnt Jerusalem and just, just destroyed everything and the people fled for their lives. But, but there's also that is a type or a symbol of what's going to happen when the Antichrist takes over during the tribulation and the Jewish people will be persecuted and they will, they will flee to the mountains, Jesus said. They, they will be running for their lives because of the persecution. And what he said to them was, on both occasions... Make sure that you don't go back into your house to get something that you value because you need to value your life more than things. There's some spiritual truth there. Too many people are valuing the things of this world, but their soul, they're neglecting. And he said, if you go back, you're going to take the risk of being killed. And he said, remember Lot's wife. Y'all know the story of Lot's wife? running away from the judgment of God, trying to go away. And the angels that delivered them said, don't look back. Don't look back. Because what? there's nothing left here but ashes when God gets through. Go forward. Get out of this mess that you've got yourself in. I'm getting you out. God's delivering you. Go forward into a new destiny. But her heart, Longed, she didn't look back because she wanted to see the show and see the fire falling from heaven. No, she looked back because she pined for what she had there. I'm telling you, and she spoke, Sister Lot, brother and sister Lot were supposed to be righteous. You know that, right? Like one Peter, I think, says in his letter, he talks about light. Lot was a preacher in Sodom and Gomorrah trying to trying to live right and shine the light there. He should have moved, but he stayed there. But the problem was his wife got compromised while he was. I'm all over stuff right now that's probably speaking to somebody. You get yourself in a situation and you say, we can handle it. I can handle it. I've seen couples do that. I'm thinking of a couple right now years ago. Started running with the wrong crowd, still came to church, still involved, but started hanging with the wrong people. We can handle it. Yeah, they handled it. They backslid and lost the marriage. Don't turn back. Don't look back. Don't go back. That's, that's That's what the Bible tells us. And so it brings me back... To, to this Philippians passage, and I just want to close. Y'all know how shotgun work Compared to a rifle, when you shoot a rifle, you got one bullet, and it goes in a straight line and goes to the place where you point at. But a shotgun shell has all these little tiny pellets in it, and when you shoot, they come out, and then they just Scatter. And the goal is you hope you'll hit something. And I got to thinking, I'm just going to do a little shotgun preaching this morning. And hope I hit something. So let me shotgun preach. Let me, let me talk about this. Let me give you my personal. All right. Let me, here's the first one. I appreciate traditions. And I'm talking about in the church. I'm not talking about your family traditions or whatever. I'm I'm talking about traditions in the church. I can appreciate traditions. But I have learned, because traditions deal with the past. I have learned that you can appreciate the past, but you cannot live in the past. When it comes to traditions. You don't allow tradition to hold you to the past. You Carry tradition with you into the future. Tradition should move you forwards, not backwards. So let me give you examples of both. The, here's what we call the traditions of the faith. So that would be like water baptism. You know, we've been water baptizing people for 2,000 years. That's a tradition that gets carried every generation. Why? when one? Jesus commanded us to do it. So it spans time. Two, there are tremendous spiritual truths and grace that comes when you do that. Same thing with communion. We've been taking communion as the church for 2,000 years. Nobody's stopping it because, one, Jesus commanded it. Two, there is grace and there are deep spiritual truths that can be appreciated and should be taught to every generation. We carry those with us. Here's the one that the the cameras are on. Here's another one. is attending church on Sunday. It's a tradition of the church. One, it's commanded. The writer of Hebrews said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As some do. And so it was already happening in the first century and they didn't have online television services. We don't come together just because it's the Sunday morning South Carolina Bible Belt thing to do. We do it because God has commanded it. So for 2,000 years, the church has been meeting every Sunday. And I just want to say for those of you who are watching who are sick or on vacation or you're out of town or, or, or whatever valid reason, praise the Lord that we've got this that we can minister to you, but if you are sitting at home, and I'm probably going to make somebody mad, but if you're sitting at home this morning and you're going to work tomorrow and you're going to Publix to buy your groceries and you've been in the mall shopping for Christmas, but somehow you keep making excuses to not come to church on Sunday, we'll just stay in our pajamas and watch it online. I'm telling you, you're missing out on the directive of God and you're missing out on the blessings of God that only happen in His house. Don't get mad at me, I'm just the messenger. But then there are man-made traditions. And you either have to release them or reform them. Styles of music, architecture, format of the service, the color of the carpet. You know churches have split over the color of the carpet. I can hear a little Barrett right now saying, Papa, that's a bad word. This is so terrible. I look at him and I say, it is for you. You don't say it, but Papa says it because there are some people it fits. You don't say it. Yes, I did say, do as I say, not as I do. Two, shotgun. I appreciate what God has done for me in the past. How about you? I'm glad he saved me. One day he baptized me with the Holy Ghost. Filled me with the Spirit. I'm anointed now to do ministry, serve, witness. He's healed my body sometimes. He's blessed me. He's touched me. How many of you can testify this morning and say, God's been good to you in the past? Aren't you glad? And I'm appreciative of that. But that was then. This is now. I need a today touch tomorrow I need to feel his presence i i I may have a crisis that i'm gonna, I will need him in the future i I can't just live in the past and say what use i don't want to live in the past. And just talk about what used to happen. I don't want to talk about revival that used to happen. I don't want to tell stories about what used to happen. I thank God that God's still moving today in the 21st century. And all y'all that are 40 and under, and a lot of you have never been to church, I'm telling you, he still works miracles. He's still healing people. He's still setting alcoholics and drug addicts free. He's still defeating the power of hell. He's still in charge and in control. None of that has stopped. That's why we got to keep moving forward into the future. Because I'm desperate for a blessing that meets me at my point of need today. How about y'all? Here's my next one. I've made mistakes. Have y'all made mistakes? Honest church. Any preacher ever acts like he's never made any mistakes, he's a liar. Preachers mess up. Preachers' wives mess up. The deacons mess up. The deacons' wives mess up. Elders mess up. The elders' wives mess up. Department leaders mess up. Church members mess up. Some of us have made mistakes, lots of mistakes, when we were in sin. But believe it or not, after you get saved, you can mess up. John said, I write these things to you, brothers and sisters, that you sin not. Standard, the goal is not to mess up. But sometimes you do. And John went in to say, but if anyone sins, he knew it was going to happen. We have an advocate with the Father, and we have atoning sacrifice. Hallelujah. But i made mistakes. I don't know about you, but why is it that you don't forget them? I'm, gonna, I'm going to preach right where you live. How come is it you don't forget them? How come is it they, they'll, you'll relive them in your mind? Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I talked to somebody this week, strange thing, they didn't know I was going to preach this, but this subject came up, and they, they talked about that, that they'll just try to replay in your mind what you did wrong. If you backslid, that's, those are even the worst ones, you used to serve God, then you go back into sin, you backslid, and then you're just playing it over, and you know who likes to do that is the devil. The devil will bring it up, because he's the accuser of the brethren, and the sistren, just made up a word. And so he tries to bring up your past. But I came here this morning to tell you, don't you go back and live in that. Because if you go back and live in that, let me tell you what it'll do. It'll push you down. It'll spiritually bind you up. You'll live in shame. You'll feel unworthy of God's blessings. The devil will use your past to stop you from fulfilling the calling on your life to do ministry. I came here to tell you today, yes, you messed up, but everything you've done has been forgiven by God. It has been washed in the blood, and God has done what we cannot do. He has even forgotten what you've done. It's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. If you live in the past of your mistakes, you'll never move forward. And sometimes you have to just tell, the, by the way, I love this. This is a little cliche. I don't even know if I've ever used this in a sermon. I've heard it a million times. figure I might as well use it. It's about time. Somebody said when the devil reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. I like that. How about y'all? Just remind him of his future. I got a message that I preach. I need to pull this out. Somebody remind me. Elder, remind me to pull this out and preach it, that everything the devil lost, I got. You know, the devil, oh, Lord, I'm just preaching today. Are y'all all right? I'm just preaching. This happens when shotgun preaching, but I'm just preaching. But but I got a message I preach that everything the devil lost, and if I'm going to preach it, I better not preach it. But everything, the devil had everything in heaven. I'm not going to give you all the details, because I think I'm going to preach this message one day soon. He had everything in heaven, but he was stupid enough to have pride and wanted to raise himself above the throne of God, and he lost it all. And then he went to earth, and he tempted Adam and Eve and made us lose everything that we had. But because of Jesus Christ, we get it all back. And one of these days, everything the devil lost, I'm going to have when I get to heaven. Uh, are y'all, I just, I'm full I'll quit in a minute, honestly I'm almost done Can I, get, give me a little more time I, I've told this story But some of you are new And you've never heard this story And then that thing that thing about having a pastor Who's been here 24 years You're going to hear the same story I might as well like Somebody said one time Just number them And just say, number eight Everybody go, praise the Lord Number eight, hallelujah Number 22, glory be to God Remember Number 22 I'm not going to do that. Years ago, my friend Daryl Croft, when we started this church, Praise Cathedral, also started another church in Columbia called House of Praise. And my good friend Daryl Croft started that. We had two church, satellite churches out of Praise Cathedral 24 years ago. And Daryl asked me to come down and preach. He actually had a tent up with sawdust on the ground. He couldn't afford anything in Columbia, so he put a big tent up, like a circus tent. That was cool. So I went and preached. And on the way down there that night, God spoke to me as clear as a bell, gave me a woman's name, and told me that she had had an abortion and gave me a word to speak to her. And I said, God, don't do this to me. He said, you're going to do it. I got there, told Daryl about it. I said, Daryl, I'm terrified. I mean, there's only like 140 people there whatever. It wasn't a lot of people. And I got up to preach. I was saying preliminary remarks. And the Holy Spirit said, do what I told you to do. I said, okay, I said, I'm stepping out here, is there anybody here by the name, and it wasn't like Susan, you know, it was something, and, I, and, I, and this woman, I'll never forget, with a canary yellow blouse, I always tell that because it just stuck in my mind, in the back of the room, raised her hand, and inside I'm going, oh hallelujah, thank you Jesus, there's somebody here by that name, because when you flow in the gifts, y'all, it's, it's faith, you're walking by faith. And so I preached, gave the altar call. We're down there praying for people. God's moving. It's a Pentecostal anointed service. I'm praying for people. Hallelujah. I'm laying hands. And God's touching people. And I turn around, and my big friend, Daryl Croft, has her standing right here grinning like a monkey. and said, here she is. I, looked, I gave him one of looks like, I'm going to slap you right now. I got in her ear, and I said, I'm about to ask you a question, and if I'm wrong... You tell me, and I will apologize profusely to you. But I'm only doing what God has told me. I said, let me ask you. I said, have you ever had an abortion? And she dropped her head, and she said yes. Then I said, here's the word God has for me. And I gave her a word that says, in spite of your past, God has forgiven and forgotten it. There is a calling on your life, and you are to fulfill that calling which God has placed on you. Step forward in it after church she waited and she came up to me and she said years ago I had an abortion then God saved me and she said ever since I've been in the church and I have a calling on my life to help young girls teenage girls to find Jesus and stay away from making the same mistakes that I have made she said it is my calling it is a passion she said and yet every time I've ever tried to move forward to do it the devil has brought up that abortion in my past and said, you're a murderer. You are not worthy. You have no business doing ministry. And she said, I have always immediately pulled back in. But she said, tonight, tonight... You have given me a word from God greater than the word of the devil that lets me know that even though I failed, my past is under the blood. And she said, beginning now, I'm going to fulfill my calling and I'm going to begin ministering to young ladies so that they don't do the same thing I did. Are you hearing me this morning? High praises. Are you hearing me? God's grace is greater than all of our sin. Give him praise this morning. Give him praise this morning for his marvelous grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is press on. I have to reach forward to those things that lie ahead. Come on, musicians. I have to keep pursuing God and the things of God. There are spiritual goals for us to chase. High praises. There are spiritual prizes to win. Paul said our call is an upward call. Y'all know that the devil and sin and this world always push you Down. They push you away from God. But when you work with God and the things of God, it'll pull you up closer to the Lord. And I made this reference when I read the text. And, and, and if you read what Paul was saying, to just put it in terms that we can understand, that's my job. I think Paul was saying you can either shrink or you can stretch. And if you live in the past, you will shrink up spiritually spiritually. But if you stretch towards your divine destiny, keep pressing on, God will use you and bless you in ways that you could never imagine. <clears throat> this week, hopefully he's here this morning, but I, I want to help give a testimony for a young man that came to see me this week. I'm not to give you his name, none of that matters, but he's a wonderful young man. I hope he doesn't mind sharing his testimony. It's a great testimony. I wasn't even planning to do this till this morning. But I think this is going to help somebody. 26-year-old, single, very successful. Came from an extremely conservative, ultra-conservative Baptist background. I mean, Pentecost is out. We crazy folks to them. But through connections, he started coming just a few weeks ago. Thrilled my heart. Because he, he said there were things I taught. He said I, it didn't match up with the Bible. I love that. He's a Bible reading, Bible-believing young man. I love that. Don't give up on the next generation. I have it. The 20 and 30 somethings, y'all keep pressing on. I got you back. He came and he said, I want to know about this baptism of the Holy Ghost thing, Pastor. And forever, however long, we just went through the Word. And he blessed me. And if he's here today, I called my father-in-law and told him what you said, because it blessed him. Because, see, God spoke to my father-in-law specifically to preach that message. And he said... Your father-in-law preached last week. He said, he said I, I saw that anointing on him, 82 years old, jumping up and down. He said, he had that anointing. I said, yeah, he had that anointing. And I love this. Listen to me, because this, this I'm using his testimony. Thank you. He's li- I thank you for letting me, because what I'm telling is about to motivate the rest of us. It's motivated me. He said, desperation and determination. Remember, that's what Jim preached. He said, that's me, Pastor. I'm desperate and I'm determined. I want more of God. I want more. I'm hungry for more. Choose life. Choose life. Stand with me over this house. That's what I'm preaching to you today. Press forward. Press into the things of God. I know we're about to go into the holidays and Christmas. I understand all that. I know this sounds like a New Year's message. I ought to preach in January, but God gave it to me this today. Press forward. I want everybody in this house to come to this altar. Everybody, please don't leave. If you leave, you're missing out on the service. Please come to everybody. Just join me in these altars. If you have to stand on the aisles, I want us to close in the altars. We need to finish in the altars. Thank you for respecting this, respecting me coming today, staying in this service. hallelujah just keep pushing as far to the front as you can you <clears throat> ready to sing today's December 11th. This is two weeks from today. If you haven't got your shopping done, you're in trouble. Make sure you get her something. But this morning on December 11th, can we all stand, kneel, lift our hands, hold your hands? I don't care what your form is. But will you open your mouth and with passion and fire? Maybe this is just part two to what Jim preached. I, I didn't come for that purpose, but I guess I'm thinking about it. Can you just say, God, don't let anything of my past keep me from moving forward into my future. That, that's death. I'm going to tie that into Jim's message. That's choosing death if I keep living in the past. I choose life. I choose to press on. God, help me to move forward, God, whatever you want to do in my life spiritually. Whatever you want to do in in, in me, through me, God, here I am. Just help me, God, to press forward and keep running because I haven't made it over. But one of these days, God, I'm going to cross the finish line. Come on, all over this church, start praying, will you? Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.